welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Hey, everybody. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Hey, guys. How you doing? So another miserable loss. 0-11. Very, very exciting. The life of a Brown 0-11. 0-11. Good stuff. Uh, so we didn't get a chance to call our grandfather, Matthew and I. But he did come up to visit Matthew for Thanksgiving, so we decided to give him a little break. Matthew, how was seeing Grandpa? It was great. It was honestly a little different without y'all here, but but it was good. Um, brought his fiance Nancy up, which is always interesting. He's um, as always was very concerned about the drive home and traffic and tractor trailers and somehow the smell that they like put out in i don't know if he's driving around with his windows down on the highway <laughs> but he always complains about like the diesel smell from the tractor trailer so he's which, probably real excited about elon musk's tesla new plan to i'm not sure <laughs> i'm not sure he knows what tesla is yeah well he or should that be. elon um, musk is a human being that exists in this world yeah he probably doesn't but um we had some good conversations talked about talked a lot about the browns I bet a lot about the Browns. What else? What else right, are you going to talk to Grandpa about? He he what has was some... the most ridiculous take that you heard from Grandpa about the Browns, or about life, either one. Oh, he's he's all in on Peyton Manning, come, coming in like he's <laughs> which, all which, in, which and, we told him about no, last I, week. I know, no, and he he asked, <laughs> he asked me about no. At one point, we were sitting at the table, just I think I had my computer open and I was doing some work, um, and he was reading a book, but he walked over to talk to me. And he was like, so have you heard anything else about Peyton Manning? And I was like, no, Grandpa, I haven't. Like, I, I, I don't, like, talk to people about this. Like, this, I don't know people. I don't do anything. Like, uh, But he is under the impression that Peyton Manning would be a very good evaluator of talent, which is completely unfounded in my opinion. And I don't know. Maybe Peyton Manning would be a very good evaluator maybe. of talent. I have no idea. I have more reason to believe that the front office we currently have is going to be a better evaluator of talent going forward than Peyton Manning. I, I yes, I agree one hundred percent. They have two years of already doing it. That's two more years it's than Peyton a, Manning it's has. Called a sample size issue. <laughs> they have two years of already doing it. Two more years than Peyton Manning already has. And if if at the end of the season we get rid of like most or all of our front office, that will be the most devastated I've ever been as a Browns fan. Yeah, I think the chance of us getting rid of the front office is less than the chance of us getting rid of Hugh Jackson at this point. Maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part, but um, I feel pretty strongly about that. Oh, I hope so. I was thinking about this today, though. So I don't want us to get rid of the front office, but even if we do and we restart, I mean, I still feel pretty good about where we're at, right? Yeah, they... like, like, we're so like as long as we bring in somebody decent, like. Like they didn't deserve to lose their jobs, but they did a hell of a job and no. put us in a great position to keep going. Like I would, yep. Like no, as they set us up well. As it is, like I'll still feel pretty good about our future. Yeah, to me, it's kind of like the Sam Hinkie seventy sixers situation. Like everybody hated how painful it was, like while he was there for three years, but he set them up to succeed, and now they're Look at like, now. actually bearing the fruit. I mean, a new front office came in. They made the easier decisions and that were set up for him from everything that Hinky did. I mean, so it'd be, it'd be a similar situation. Yeah, for sure. But I just, what, what would it be like if Sam Hinky stayed there all the way through and got to continue his process? And Pretty similar is yeah, what I would assume. Um, so anyway, 
Well, let's talk about this game. Uh, obviously, we lost again. We had, like always, a chance to win the game, um, but a few key mistakes, particularly the mistakes from the officiating crew, kept us from winning it at the end. Um, the the I so I didn't get a chance to watch it live, but I rewatched. I was on an airplane, but I rewatched it um, just today. Are you even a Browns fan? No, no, I'm not. I'm sitting here without watching the game. Well, I rewatched a Browns loss. That could like that's like the most Browns fan thing you could ever do. I sat through an entire Browns loss, knowing full well what happened, and I watched <laughs> every single play. It's worse. There's no hope. Like oh my when you watch it live, you live on the hope, and there's no hope. Oh, it was so bad. Uh, Michael, what do you think? What stood out to you? So what was the worst? I. I was um, – I tweeted from our podcast account during the middle of the game or at the end of the game that I sat on that Jabril Peppers hit for five minutes and I still was every bit as mad as whenever they made the call on the field in the first place. I have never seen a call so bad, so atrocious, and so directly impact the outcome of the game than that call. I mean, it was a third and 10. They throw the ball down the sideline. Peppers makes like the perfect hit to knock the ball out with his helmet. And they call that he is hitting a defenseless receiver and he gets a personal foul. So my take on this, and I haven't heard anybody say this, like there's been arguments about whether he hit his helmet and they made the wrong call and it wasn't a defenseless receiver issue. They just stated it incorrectly to me. I would be more okay with them calling it a catch and a fumble. Like, have you guys watched it? Like, he catches the ball, makes two, almost gets down his third step when Peppers hits him and the ball comes out. To me, it's more that he had possession and Peppers knocks the ball out after possession, which would not have been a great outcome for the Browns because the ball would have been out at the five-yard line or something. But – Honestly, but that's a much fair. more reasonable yeah. call given what happened on the field than either a shot to the head or hitting a defenseless receiver. But, but that's even more of a case for the fact that he was undoubtedly not defenseless. He's the opposite of a defenseless receiver. Exactly. He was a ball carrier. Right. Yes. He had clear. He had possession of the ball for at least a second before Peppers got there. Which and, is oh. still even irrelevant. Because he hit him in the chest. And it wasn't until his head like whiplashed that there was contact to the helmet. It was an or, amazing so, hit. It was an amazing hit. I mean, he it, flew five yards out of bounds. Yeah, it was, it, was, ab- it was absolutely textbook. And did you hear Jabril's like, post-game press conference? He's been coached up. He has more patience in class than I would because I would be pissed. But he just said, well... The refs are just doing their job. They called it like they see it. Oh, I need to do better next time. Well, well I, re- I read Hugh's lips on the sideline whenever um, Peppers <laughs> came over there, and Hugh said, that's what I want you to do. Yeah, like, no, that's, straight a, and that's what Hugh said. Yeah. So I actually watched the press conference today. I didn't see what Hugh said post-game yesterday. But he basically said, Jabril Peppers did what we coach him to do. And I wouldn't have coached him to do anything different. Yeah, he said, I like and that. And he's basically pointing the finger that the rule was, you know, incorrect. So in the press conference today, Grossi tries to, like, point oh out gosh. and tries to make Hugh Jackson him. admit that he's wrong. 
hilarious. But I mean that well. I mean, well founded. Honestly, continue. Uh, so, hey, I do the so editing, Grossi... so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> Grossi was a complete dick. And completely, he went back to the well like three times with Hugh Jackson trying to get him to say that he was wrong in saying that the hit was exactly what he should have done. He was trying to say, well, aren't you, uh, isn't that incorrect then for you to be coaching them to make that hit if that's, you know, the penalty that's being called? And Hugh Jackson said, no, I don't believe that it's incorrect. And they just went back and forth and Hugh Jackson was like, he he just yeah. had enough. It one of my hilarious. favorite one of my yes. favorite things to watch is whenever Sashi does it, Hugh does it. Whenever they address Mary Kay and Tony Grossi, they literally demean them like they're children. They're like, "Well, no, Mary Kay, okay, like that's <laughs> that's that's not how it is. No, Tony, Tony, no, yeah. <laughs> like, like they do it all no, the no, time, when, and it's when they so do it fun. To, when they do it to Mary Kay, it always struck me as like kind of like chauvinistic." But then they do it to Tony, and it just makes me realize that it's, it's the it's same just thing. Straight it's up, same. like just they're frustrated as hell with stupid <laughs> questions. Yes, absolutely right. Um, um, oh. So here's what. Act- so that was obviously the overarching thing that completely changed the course of the game. But I again feel like the Browns just got super unlucky with little things that affected the outcome of this game, particularly in the first half. So. Our first two possessions, Kaiser killed it. Like, we drove straight down and moved the ball all the way down the field, and penalties killed us on both drives. The first drive, we get all the way down there to the 10-yard line, and on second down, I think it was, they called offensive pass interference on David and Joku. They never showed us a replay. Nobody showed us what happened, but it got called. We got pushed back, and we ended up having to kick the field goal. That was kind of frustrating after how well we were moving the ball. But then we got the ball back after the Bengals scored the touchdown. We get all the way down there after that beautiful long pass from Kaiser to Coleman where he threw it off of his back foot and down the sideline on third down. Gorgeous pass. That was his and longest Treggs, pass of his career so far. And then Treggs gets in that scuffle, and oh somehow the personal foul gets called on just him. I said this. I said this at the time. This is the NFL. These are grown grown men. There is nothing that a grown man should be able to say to another grown man in the context of playing football that should be deemed taunting. Like like what could he possibly have said to him? Yeah, I would like, love to know. You're terrible. You're terrible. Know. I'm going to beat you. Like your team is crap. Like But like that, that's the thing is like you know like, similar your, things were Your mama's fat? Like like what is taunting that he just said with his yeah. words because he didn't do anything. Like, I, I get taunting and, like, the I'm going to stand over you, like, and be an asshole. Yeah, but, and make, like, emotions or suggestive gestures or yeah. anything like that. What could but you possibly say about. to another human being that why, would be deemed inappropriate on a football field? And, nope, that's a flag that's taunting. While he was walking away, like, couldn't have been more leaving the situation. Like, it was like he got a flag thrown for, like, having the last word. Yeah. So then making that situation worse, we get kicked back 15 yards, and then we miss the field goal from Zane Gonzalez, Matthew. Are you still uh, your defending boy. this? Your boy, this Zane Gonzalez. He's only missed five all year. That's fine. <laughs> it's a bad percentage. I actually meant to look this up before the pod. I'd love to know where he sits on a percentage basis. When, field when, goals before, before this week, when was the last time he missed a field goal? Um, I don't recall what game. It's been a long time. It's been a long time, buddy. Um, so anyways, 
that was frustrating to have two great drives, honestly, with then two penalties near the end as we got in the red zone and only end up with three points on those two drives. That, like, was enormously frustrating. But then on the next drive, we stopped the Bengals with the Miles Garrett sack. They settled for the field goal. And then we get the ball back, and guess who's in the locker room getting uh, looked at for a concussion? Deshaun Kaiser. And Kessler Our comes boy, in Deshaun. and sacrifices an entire drive because Cody Kessler doesn't know up from down, left from right. Clearly looks like he's never stepped foot on a football field his what? entire life. What happened to him? Because he last year he was decent. So he, he always had the tendency of not being pocket aware and holding on the ball too long. But not like this. No, no, and I actually would say he just held on to the ball too long and didn't want to take risks and so would take sacks last year. I remember thinking positively about his pocket awareness and being able to move and navigate the pocket, and he has shown none of that this year. Yeah. No, I remember that too. No, the difference between he and Kaiser as far as like movement in the pocket is striking. It's like, yeah, it's, like, like it's probably like, like the difference between me and Cody Kessler. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's probably about the same. Peter <laughs> Mark back there <laughs> just standing like a statue. Uh, uh, but what I'm, what's so frustrating to me is that we had this momentum. We got kind of killed by these these penalties in those drives. We only had three points to show for those first two drives, and then Kessler has to come in, and it just completely throws off our offensive momentum that we had going on. And so I just have to wonder, like, if Kaiser hadn't missed that drive, like, what would that have looked like? I mean, like, you I, only get eight or nine drives in an NFL game. So, yeah. so losing one is a significant chunk. That's over 10% of your, of your opportunities in, in the so game. So that's one drive completely down the toilet. And guess what? Then we punt, and it goes to Adam Jones. He returns it for the touchdown, but it gets called back. And our punter gets gets hit real hard and he has to go in for a concussion protocol then and that got, bites us later he got because destroyed Gan- on that play he did, did, did oh. i actually didn't see that what I, happened i watched it live he just went it in. was bad was it one of those he where was, his head hit the ground first no he was the last defender and so he was just kind of running over trying to make the tackle but there is at least one blocker in between him and the blocker just head hunted him like just straight aggressively just, you could tell as soon as the block happened that he was gonna yeah. be he like, definitely go get checked for a concussion it was not a bad idea for I, him to go in the locker room so when um zane gonzalez had to come out to punt i i questioned whether could we reach an agreement with the nfl where colquitt could come out to punt if he agreed to just run off the field as soon as he kicked the ball and not like <laughs> try to make the tackle or just, like, like, lay face down on the ground. Not put himself in danger. Just punt it and run off the field. We'll cover with ten people. It's fine. It happens most kicks. Yeah, it'd be oh, better. Oh, I just – so how in the world does that happen? Like, I know for a fact that I could punt the ball 35 yards if I stood out there right now. But I guess just with the could rush you? and you got to catch the ball. Pressure? Like. All right. Next time, Michael, and we are – when we're all together, we're going to find a football field. We're gonna give yep. Michael the ball, and we're gonna film it. We're gonna we're gonna find eleven Facebook men, Live eleven men who are two and a half times your size running at you, and we're gonna get you to punt it in less than two seconds. No, less than a second and a half, and we're gonna see how far it goes. I okay. I don't know. I think that I could punt it that far too, but 
I think that Zane Gonzalez was I think Zane very... Gonzalez would say he could punt it further <laughs> yeah. than he did, too. Like, but he, he, he I think he totally was, messed up. I think he was actively trying to kick it out of bounds, though. I think that that was his focus because he knew that he couldn't hit it far enough down and get enough hang time on the ball to be able to properly cover the punt. So he's like, I have to get this out of bounds so that – you almost wonder if a rugby punt like they do in college would, would be, be better would be for a, a better kicker situation in that. Yeah, in that place where, where it's a low screamer, like the returner it, has no chance to, to return. Pick it up. But honestly, that killed us. Like, that gave them the ball on our side of the field. Yeah. Like, that just really killed us. We, for, mm-hmm. we forfeited a drive our... and gave them a oh, seven great points, field basically. position. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they didn't score a touchdown on that drive. They we, ended, we stopped them at the goal line there, didn't we? That was the yeah. one right at the goal line. We, I mean, they got down within a 10-yard line a couple times, and we stopped them for a field goal, um, and that was one of them. But it was just frustrating. Yeah, but that's the thing is, like, we our defense stands up when it really needs to. Like, we, our defensive run game just did not seem, was not great Our whole this defense week. sucked balls this week. It was like. Our defense was terrible. It was like, is okay, so Greg Greg Williams is like, okay, my number one philosophy is that I'm not going to let people throw the ball deep on me. Like, I'm not going to let people get over the top and get, like, 35 yards over the top. Like, we're going to make sure that that doesn't happen. We'll just it let him doesn't, get 35 it yards doesn't, on no, a screen pass. That's exactly what I'm saying is it doesn't matter at all <laughs> when you get 35 yards consistently on a screen pass. Like, and it's happened. Or an Andy Dalton run up the middle. He had middle. 25 yards up the middle. Like, it doesn't matter if you don't let someone throw over the top if you give them huge chunk yardage underneath. In fact, I'd rather make them complete a 50-yard pass down the field than no, for let, sure. let them run. For sure. Andy Dalton had the longest run of his career against us. 25 yards straight up the middle with ease. So, yeah, it it becomes so frustrating to me that we play a team that really does not have a good offense like the Bengals. And the defense can't show up and make stops. So on a day like yesterday, the Browns offense showed up and moved the ball like you would want them to in order to win a football game. Kaiser played arguably his best game. It's either this one or the Detroit game. It was great. Which he, I will point out, got knocked out of both games and had to come back. Like, what if he had played both of those games in their entirety? Right. Like, it's just so frustrating that that it happened that way. So, offense shows up, and the defense just looks like they never got off the bus. It was infuriating. And I will say that they didn't give up. I know they gave up a touchdown to the tight end. But they didn't give up those throws over the middle consistently to the tight end that they gave up the first time we played the Bengals. Oh, my gosh. That's well, true. that would be a trap. But they were gashing us in the run game. They were gashing so us think... in the run game, but they were also gashing us on the screen game, and they were gashing us whenever we would bring a corner blitz. They would have, like, the perfect play call oh. on a wide receiver out to the corner. Like, the Bengals know what Greg Williams is trying to do on defense. Everyone and does. And know what's coming every single time. Yeah, we don't disguise it at all. It's it. miserable. Yeah. You're, and it's you're like better that. off playing just man coverage and rushing four. Yep. And dropping just some linebackers in the zone. Yep, I agree. Then letting them know what's coming and opening up holes. It's so bad. So another frustration was all of those plays that BBC got his hands on the oh, ball and two. couldn't come down with the interception. I was going to say something about that. Last, two interceptions. Last, unbelievable. last year he would have had two interceptions. 
unbelievable. How that, did that happen? He intercepts one of those. We probably the first one. If he had intercepted it. It's it, a huge difference. It was a huge difference. That was like their first drive, maybe second drive. The second one oh. would have been a pick six. Like, yes, no absolutely. doubt. It was at the end of the game. It would have brought us to one score at that point in time. It was right before we got the ball and drove down and scored the touchdown. It, oh, my gosh. Would have been huge. His, I will say that first one in the first half was a phenomenal read. Like, he knew exactly where Dalton was going. His responsibility yeah. was the outside receiver, and he saw Dalton laser in on the inside yeah. guy, and he jumped the route. It was pretty phenomenal for him to even get there and break up the pass. But the second one, like, I felt like that was one he should have actually caught. And if he had, I'm certain it would have been taken to the house. He was, like, in stride and everything. Oh, I felt it. In my loins, uh, but I didn't get it. God. So can we talk about Deshaun Kaiser? I've, we've touched on it. We was, said it was one of the better games he's played. He was great. I I think it's his best game. I mean, I know he was pretty good in the Detroit game. Didn't too. throw an interception. I think it was his best game. He set a career high for passing yards. Um, he made some incredible throws. Like that one to Corey Coleman off his back foot. That was like... It reminded me of the throw that Matt Stafford threw to Kenny Galladay that killed us in that Detroit yep. game. It was You're like right. a mirror image of that throw, which is mm-hmm. amazing. And when Stafford did it, I was like, holy crap. Like, imagine having a guy who could do that. And then Kaiser just did the exact same thing, basically, with the pressure in his face, like back foot, throwing it over the yeah. shoulder. Uh, it was a dime. It was right where it had to be. It was perfect. And he well, did that repeatedly. He... And then he hit Coleman for a touchdown. In the end zone. It. That was that was a great so pass too. He was, Corey Phenomenal Coleman was double covered. Corey Coleman did everything he was supposed to do right up until the ball hit him in the chest. Just freaking! It, was hit, it hit him right in the hands. There was two people draped on him. Deshaun Kaiser put it to the outside of him where only Corey could get it, and he dropped it. It was a perfect pass though. It was perfect. The location of that pass was ideal. It was unreal. Here's my thing, and we've been saying it. Like you say, you want to talk about Deshaun Kaiser? We've been talking about Deshaun Kaiser. If there's like a, a theme to our entire podcast, it's that we like Deshaun Kaiser and we don't like Cody Kessler and Kevin Hogan. <laughs> like he has True. all of the skills, and I think he's starting to be able to understand the defenses and be able to put it together. I don't care. I, I would love it if we drafted a quarterback. I would love it if we picked one up in free agency. I need Deshaun Kaiser to stay on this game on this team and continue to develop. Like, I'm excited about what he possibly could be. Here's a question. I was thinking about this just before. Is there a reality where Deshaun Kaiser could possibly play well enough the next five games where you don't want to draft a quarterback number one overall? He would have to play really lights out, in my opinion. I mean, let's think about this. Like, So this was his best game. He threw for, I think it was 268 yards. It was like 18 of 31. Is, is how he played his... this week enough? Or does he, like, if he does that for five more games, are you If he does that consistently for five more games, and let's say he only has one or two more interceptions on the whole year um, and throws for 200-plus yards like this, is about 65% completion percentage, I would feel pretty good about not having to, like, spend a significant asset on a quarterback. Like, getting a veteran that you would feel, like, solid about, like, if you had to go to him. Such as? And, like, give, uh, give me a name. Like, who are you talking about? Like a second-tier quarterback. So, like, like maybe an A.J. McCarron. 
I don't think that he can do anything over five games. That would make me not want to. Like, I like the idea of, oh, Deshaun Kaiser's the answer. Let's use that number one pick on somebody else, like a skill position or somebody else who can help the team. And, like, the high ceiling of that, like, reality, if it worked out, I'm not willing to accept the risk of that given that we have the number one pick and the quarterback position has been so destitute for us for so long. Like, great. If if we take somebody with the number one pick and Kaiser turns out to be the answer and we end up making a trade down the line where we send one of them out of town, like, fine. Yeah. Fine. Maybe, maybe yeah. we slightly missed an opportunity to, like, just roll with Kaiser and take take another top talent. But, like that's the situation we're in right now. Like we, we need to make sure that we've got somebody. I don't want to not take a quarterback number one, then go win six games for the next 10 years and be screwed because we're never going to get a top quarterback option. Yeah, no, I I'm, and I would be perfectly fine with that scenario, but I would, I also think I could, if he plays at this level for the rest of the season and they went somewhere else with the first pick, like say with a Minka Fitzpatrick or something like that, and took a quarterback with the second pick, I might not hate that situation. It all depends on where this Houston pick falls to. That matters, and it also matters like where the QBs fall. The quarterbacks fall. Because like, it's which still... quarterbacks come out, yeah. and how good are they really? Like, it's still I don't so think up we in really the air. Know yeah. what that is going to look like until we get closer and further down this draft. I would love that Minka Fitzpatrick pick. Like I I, like, that's just something that's that we definitely need and would tie up this defense in a perfect way that Jabril could start to play his real role that he's suited for. Yeah, Matthew. I would be so nervous on draft day. If we skip a quarterback with the first overall pick and just waiting until that, that next pick. But just imagine would, the balls. I would, I would be a mess. Imagine the steel balls that Sashi Brown would have if he didn't <laughs> pick a quarterback first overall. Just, then, I love that man, and happen. I know he has It's going to happen, isn't it? That, oh, my gosh. We're just going to sign AJ McCarron and not, not draft <laughs> anybody. I think, actually, it's pretty um, – I think it's pretty well documented that the front office was pushing for a Mitch Trubisky pick in the last draft. Like that was something they were very seriously considering. And Hugh Jackson and the coaching staff were like all gung ho on the Miles Garrett front. So I think that if it's up to the front office, like they're going to lean towards a quarterback um, with a top pick, knowing how important that position is. So whoever the guy is that they fall in love with, um, I'm pretty sure they're going to lean in that direction at the front of, at the top of the draft. Um, but we'll see. Just take a quarterback. I don't care. Yeah. No, just do it. I agree. We have Kaiser. We got a quarterback. We got a bunch of other picks. Play, so, wh- play whoever the heck you want. Like it doesn't matter. Whoever's better. Yeah. Why does it make me nervous to think about like a quarterback, you know, a number one overall pick and Kaiser in the same room and whoever else they may or may not bring in. Like, why does it make me nervous to have like multiple options? I think that that's could a good thing. Good. It's a good thing. It should be a good thing, but I just feel like it would turn into drama. Like everyone's like arguing, gonna always be clamoring for the guy that's not playing, and I, I just I, don't. I, I don't can, know if I trust I Hugh Jackson at this point. Well, I don't trust Hugh Jackson at this point to like make the right decision in balancing it and staying true to whoever he's got in there, yeah. and actually like helping to develop 
each of them as a testament to the fact that he started Kevin Hogan this year, which was Correct. clearly I mean, like, the wrong decision. Here's here's why nervous. here's yeah. why it makes you nervous, other than not trusting Hugh Jackson, which is fair. Because as a Browns fan, whenever we've had two options, neither of them have been good options. It's always been like Tim Couch or Kelly Holcomb or <laughs> Derek Anderson or Brady Quinn. Or, yeah, Derek Anderson or Charlie Fry. Yeah, or who was it? Was it Brandon Whedon and Johnny Manziel? Yep. Were they ever on the same yes, team? Yes, they were. Or did no, we it was get Brandon Whedon and Whedon. Colt McCoy. Brandon Whedon and Colt McCoy, yep. Well, no, yeah, it Brandon Whedon did leave. Brandon. When was Jake DeLome here? Before. Jake DeLome and Seneca Wallace. There. <laughs> yeah, old school, killing it. Yeah. With, with everybody's backup quarterback. Like, was came to our Cleveland starter. and was going to be our superstar. Yeah, we had two backups competing to be our star. <laughs> Always. <laughs> two backups or a third string in there. Bring on AJ McCarron. Good night. Um, so, no, I so, think that is a good point. That is a good point. We've never had true, but like. We've never had I like solid like the, good talent like competing. The most, honestly, the most success that a quarterback has had after they have left the Browns is either Josh McCown, right now with the wins that he's having at the Jets. Or Brian Hoyer. It's because we always um, have these ancient quarterbacks. Yeah, they're so old that they can't go on to produce. I might take Derek Anderson. Derek I mean, Anderson. He's, he's had a pretty decent yeah. career, like as the backup in Carolina, like not bad. Yeah, but winning games, starting, like. Yeah. All right. Well, what else do we have to say about the game? Anything uh, about the game? We missed Emmanuel I, Ogba. Yeah. We missed Jamie Collins. Like our. Our defense, the strength of our defense has been decimated by injuries at the highest level yep. this, this entire season. Like, we've either been without Jamie Collins, Miles Garrett, or Emmanuel Ogba now for just about every game of this season, at least one of them. I think they've only played together like a combined one half of football. Which which is just brutal. Like, and injuries happen in the NFL. Like, you have to work through them. Sometimes you just get lucky and unlucky as, as to, like, who it strikes. And so, I mean, that's been tough to deal with. We Our secondary isn't great. Um, yeah. And so we're just going to kind of struggle. I think our defense probably takes a step back from where it has been this whole season because because yeah. of those two injuries to yeah. Collins and Ogba. Teams on offense are going to be able to just target Miles Garrett and try to yeah, double make team sure him every he time. doesn't impact and like, the game. Who are you scared Because of? there's nothing else to worry about. Like, yeah. really, like, what are you worried about? Nate Orchard coming off the edge? Carl yeah. Nassib? Like, there's no concern of any pass rush coming from anywhere else other than Miles Garrett. So you're going to send help his way every single time. Yeah, unless Coley and Ogunjobi can, can start winning one-on-one battles inside um, which they've, they've shown they can do at times, but they have to start doing it consistently. Garrett's just going to get double teamed every single time. And I mean, I thought he played pretty well this this last week, but I mean, it was kind of a quiet game because he's getting double teamed every single time. Yep, he just completely owned uh, Abue on that sack. It was so beautiful. Just put him on roller skates. It was, awesome. it was amazing. Just shoves him away and I also like, love, I also lays on top of that. He basically pushed rifle. him past Andy Dalton and then had to reach back to like yeah. sack it. And I'm like, he went too far. Yeah. Um, it's no, so fun to watch. That's, that's yeah. I can't wait for more miles Garrett. And once, uh, Ogba comes back, we're going to be cruising there in the defensive line. Maybe next year, maybe, but we're screwed. And another thing on miles Garrett, 
it, have you noticed when like he gets in the open field and is chasing after either a quarterback or a running back, he's not running smoothly. Like his ankle is still really bothering him. Like he is nowhere close to a hundred percent. I think so too. I've, I've noticed that he, he hardly ever reaches full speed. Right. Yeah. So we've yeah. been, we've been, that was some good talk about miles Garrett, but as a whole, we've been pretty freaking negative on this podcast. I want to say some good things. Kaiser. We talked about, oh, Kaiser. We talked about Kaiser. Kaiser. Kaiser's been good, but and Corey Coleman was really good. On that one throw that Kaiser hit him to the right side of the field, Corey Coleman burned Drake Kirkpatrick. Like, yep. absolutely burned him. Like, he did a little move inside. Uh, Dre tried to hit him, and he just completely missed. And uh, Corey Coleman ran straight past him. So, going into next week, we're going to have that Corey Coleman who burned Drake Kirkpatrick and also was wide open – or was there in the end zone, had his hands on a touchdown, um, had a good amount of receiving yards. I don't know how many he had. But we're going to have him, and we're going to have Josh Gordon on the other side. Like, that's for he sure happening. receiving yards. 64? Okay. Could have had yeah. more. Played well. He's running great routes. Um, and Kaiser seems to like him a lot. Josh Gordon's coming back on the other side. It's going to open things up for both of them. Um, Corey Coleman's going to be a little easier to move around. We won't have to throw to ricardo lewis or kenny Britt anymore um kenny Britt actually played really he well did, he did have that one no. he had that one great catch i wanted to say this so if you look at our receiving core and what it should look like going forward i say our top four have to be Corey coleman josh gordon kenny Britt, and bryce treggs Maybe. i would not I, I, i'm not I sold not on bryce treggs but I would not put Ricardo Lewis. He can catch better than Ricardo Lewis can. No, I don't understand no, why I would put I Lewis think, in ahead I think of him. I might go Higgins over Treggs. Maybe. That's fine. I'll, I'll give you that point. Yeah. Either case, no. I don't want to see Ricardo Lewis on the field in any sort of meaningful snap. No, All I right. want Ricardo Lewis to be a gunner. Just, like, make him Sammy Coates 2.0. Like, he, run, he runs fast. He's big and strong. Like, go do Sammy Coates things. Yeah, I don't want Ricardo Lewis on the field trying to catch a pass. At all. So I, I saw this stat earlier today. Ricardo Lewis has dropped 21% of all of his catchable passes this season. So a good Unbelievable. every five balls that gets thrown his way, he drops at least one of them. Yeah. All right, let's play a game. So that's terrible. Ricardo Lewis, you should be ashamed of yourself. Um, You're, it's literally your only job. Corey Coleman and Josh Gordon as your one-two receivers. Let's see if we can name a team that has better one-two option Pittsburgh Minnesota Vikings Minnesota Vikings I'll give you yeah Pits- Stephon Diggs Adam Taylor. how would you not give P- me Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh Steelers how would you not give me Pittsburgh probably but only because Antonio Brown is so ridiculous I'm not sold on Martavis Bryant right now I, I think our two options are better than Martavis Bryant Antonio Brown is just like in another atmosphere at the moment but if Josh I would, Gordon, I would, no, but like if you, if you could trade Josh Gordon and Corey Coleman for Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant, you would. Probably, but only to get Antonio Bryant. Like really Antonio care. Brown. Antonio oh, Brown. Antonio yeah. Brown. Sorry. Oh, Antonio Bryant. Yeah, <laughs> no, forget him. He's gone. <laughs> Shades of former Cleveland Browns receivers yeah. <laughs> that didn't quite work out. Um, he was good for like three games. I forgot that human being existed. I know. Oh, <laughs> goodness. Antonio Bryant. That's uh, the, such a flashback. It's fantastic. The crap that's in my brain. It's Martavis Bryant and Antonio Brown. Brown that's yeah. why. It was, it yes. Was. So, Minnesota, uh, Pittsburgh, sure. We'll 
we'll we'll play there. Who else? Um, I really think Minnesota has the best two receivers in the league. Yeah, like prob- the best one-two combo. Probably, um, and they're both they're both amazing. You know, we've talked pretty highly of like what Deshaun Watson's had in Houston, but I don't yeah. think I would trade no. their top two. No. I like DeAndre Hopkins, but Will um, Fuller's a one-trick pony, and like he's yeah. a great compliment to DeAndre Hopkins for sure. But I, I like what Gordon and Coleman bring over. The thing is, the thing is, is we just don't know. Like, if you're comparing this to, like, Gordon whenever he was smashing, like, back-to-back 200-yard games, then in yes. In 2013. In 2013, then yes, you're absolutely right. Like, you're absolutely right. But he has not played football in so long. And when he did, he was not that man. Like, he has the potential to do it. And I know he's in wicked good shape. Like, he's cut as all get out. He's got, like, four percent body fat like about the same as you matthew like it's <laughs> like but about eight but, times the muscle but is josh gordon josh gordon six three right which is yeah. i'm slightly taller than that but basically six three what does josh gordon weigh 225 he's probably listed at it's gotta be and more than that probably 240 50, 50 more pounds on you oh no it's probably more than that it's probably like 65 pounds <laughs> It's probably like a third grader, like me and a third grader, <laughs> Josh Gordon, <laughs> and he runs twice as fast as both of us. Yeah. All right. Josh uh, Gordon weighs two hundred and twenty-five pounds. Two twenty-five. All Six right. Three. Two twenty-five. Yeah. So he's got fifty pounds on me. So so it's it's me and a second grader. Strapped to that's, your back, and he's yeah. still oh so God. much faster and jump higher and just. No, that's a good game though. So seriously, I don't think there's a whole lot of other receiving cores that I would want to trade with if those two are healthy and playing. Yeah. At their well, potential. Peak. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we're missing somebody, but but I can't. No. Nobody's nobody's standing. I mean, out. because most of these teams have, have one one really good receiver. Like so, you think about um, Cincinnati and AJ Green. AJ Green, yeah. You think about Atlanta and Julio Jones, but like, there's no second receiver that really like scares you or is something you have to be concerned about. So here is my question: I was thinking we we have an 0 and 11 team. We're yes. a bad yeah. football team. Mm-hmm. But it's I'm clear. trying to like I was trying to evaluate. Debatable. It was actually as I was listening to the Surviving the Season podcast. They were talking about how our talent level is nowhere near good. No. And that it's hard true. to blame the coach and so that it's hard to blame the coaching staff for our record. Really? The guys Adam are playing Greg hard. So listen, just hear me out. Just hear me out. So it's hard to blame the coaching staff because the talent that we have and the talent that they're dealing with is subpar across the board. And so they were defending the coaching staff by talking about the talent on the team. And I thought to myself, I think I've defended both sides of this argument. I've argued that we have some pretty decent talent, and I feel pretty good about our coaching staff. But if that was true, we would have some wins on the board. So something's got to give. I might just be wearing rose-colored glasses, but I want to know your guys' opinion. Like, do we have a talented roster or do we not? What, what's more to blame? The talent on our roster or the coaching staff? So I think that there's – I think we do have a talented roster. Like you take this roster and you mature them. We've got the youngest roster in the league. You mature them uh, two years, and then all of a sudden in two years they're winning games. 
But I think that there's also only so much coaching that you can do in a player's first two seasons. Like, we've seen how, at least in the last two games, Deshaun Kaiser has gotten so much better than he was at the beginning of the season. Like, I feel like Hugh is actually coaching him up. But also, like, you look up to next week and you say, like, oh, we have the best, like, wide receiver duo in the league if Josh Gordon and Corey Coleman are playing. But for the majority of this year, we had the worst wide receiver core in the league. So, like, the reason why we lost those games is a big part in due to our lack of talent on the offensive side. Our defense has played pretty well. So I think that it, I think that you said you've defended both sides of the argument, Michael. Like, I think it has been both this entire year. Like, we haven't had good enough talent, and uh, Hugh Jackson has not been very good in in-game management situations. But right now where I'm sitting is if we continue to lose throughout the rest of this year with these new receivers – with all of our receivers that we have playing, like then I think it's a coaching problem. But earlier in the season, I wasn't going to chalk it up to a coaching problem. But I genuinely do think that we have more talent right now on the team than we've had in years past. I think it's a experience problem, not a talent problem. Yeah, I always think of talent as um, like being a lot part potential. Like when I, when when I've you like the talent on this roster, like most of it is young raw, like the ability is there. There's right. just not the experience. So the talent is it. <clears throat> yeah. But I'm saying that you can define talent like in different ways. So like, like there's some really talented teams that are really good because they're like veteran and savvy. They play basketball like an old man who like schools you, even though he like can't even run up and down the court. Like he's like pretty... that racquetball player yeah, that's just standing in one spot exactly. and absolutely like, making you run circles he, around. He's pretty dang talented. Like, but he probably wasn't that good when he was 22 years old. Um, so I I think this is the most talented roster we've had in the last four or five years at least probably I mean the most potential we've had on the roster in a decade I would say I I would disagree that I mean look at the roster that we had two years ago when when Sashi and Paul DePodesta and those guys took over look at where they are now like Like, good freaking grief the best player on our defense was Paul Kruger (laughs) like it wasn't even close either like come on yeah, or maybe like Dante Whitner or something like that. Yeah. Just uh, like way past his prime, couldn't yeah, cover anybody. Who, who got cut from us and went and played for the Redskins for like eight games, and then like nobody else wanted to touch. Now he's on his couch. And people were mad yeah. that we got rid of him. Yeah. So I, I kind of landed after thinking about it for a while with you guys too. Like we have the talent that just doesn't have the experience that they need in order to win games. And I do think you sprinkle in a little bit of – dumb in-game decisions by Hugh Jackson yeah, and you get the recipe for 0 and 11. Well, like case in point is like there was a, it was, I think the third quarter beginning of the third quarter where we were on like the opposite side. We were so far away from scoring. It was like first down or no, we were on, we were on defense and we, he challenged an AJ green catch. Um, it was like Such a, ten, a ridiculous it was like, catch. It was like, it, oh, it, it, was, it, was, it was a so great, beautiful. it was a beautiful, great catch. But it was like a, a 10, 15-yard catch. They're still 65 yards away from scoring. It has little to no consequence. And where did he, like, like where did he get his intel except for that it didn't look like he caught it? Like, you can't just 
but it, but it also didn't matter that much and we lost a timeout in a game that we're losing and could potentially need that timeout later on. Yeah, I will say this about our talent too. I think this team is significantly lacking talent in certain position groups. Such yeah, as important. Like our safeties. This and defensive secondary. Our defensive secondary certainly lacks talent. Like Jabril Peppers and like is really the only one who I think like has a long-term future with this team. Like you can talk me into Brian Body Calhoun too as having a long-term future with this team and everybody else I couldn't care less about. Like we can replace yep. them in the next two years with somebody else. Yep. At running back, Duke Johnson's the only one who's worth a damn. Yep. Um, Matthew days is so slow. He can't do anything. Um, and at quarterback, Cody K- or Deshaun Kaiser is the only one who, who probably has the talent to be an NFL quarterback at this level, and he's a rookie who's played nine games. So, like, yep. what are you to expect from that? So, like, those key positions were just have absolutely little to no talent at, and they're very important positions. And they're very important, and it shows, and that's why we're losing football games. I don't think this roster as a whole is less talented, but yeah. we definitely need to upgrade those areas. So um, it's just frustrating to me to see, like, some key positions where we are strong, like, say, offensive line. And now, yep. granted, Joe, Tom- Joe Thomas is hurt, and so, like, we're not as strong there as we were earlier in the season. But we have some, like, significant positions. And defensive line, like, we're quite strong. Mm-hmm. And just seeing some of those position groups where we actually do have, like, a good amount of talent and some depth, and we're not able to, like, leverage that in any way. But I think it comes back to your point on the areas where we are weak. Like, so the complementary, like, pieces, the position groups that complement those strengths are so weak that you you have to, like, try to overcome that, and you just can't do it. When, when your safeties suck as bad as ours do, like, the defensive line can be killer, and it doesn't matter because you're going to get beat over the top. Yeah, remember two years ago when we were starting Randy Starks on our, def- <laughs> instead of our defensive yes. line? Oh. That was miserable. We have, we have five defensive tackles who are better than Randy Starks now. <laughs> that is true. All right, moving along, we're going to talk about my great victories in uh, the uh, the lines this previous week. I just really, this coin is just doing me right. I'm st- really have no reason to boast because it's a coin but i feel very yeah, proud mark as well as you have been doing matthew has been doing equally terrible in recent weeks you what you and i both won three of the four from this past week and matthew lost three of four to take a distant last place so for everyone that's keeping track of the score mark is ahead of matthew by five whole games at this point and i'm behind mark by two games um, so there's still some ground to be made up more so for Matthew than for me, but, um, the gap, the gap, the gap's widening first game this week is Washington at Dallas on Thursday night. And Dallas is actually favored as they're stumbling, um, back home for a, for a game this week. Uh, Matthew, since you want to be independent and you want to make your own decision, I'll let you here go first. So you're not influenced one way or the other. What's that point spread? I didn't catch it. It's one, one and a half. Five. One and a half. One and a half points. Uh, Dallas is favored. Uh, so they're only favored because they're at home. Basically. Yeah. Um, Dallas by one and a half. Oh, this is tough. I'm gonna have to go with Dallas though. 
Um, I think Tyron Smith's going to be back and healthy. They're going to get back to their basics and running the football. Um, with Alfred Morris. With Alfred Morris, which is fine. Alfred Morris is a, a fine running back. And not put all the pressure on Dak. Um, their defense needs to step up, but I'll, I'll take Dallas. Is Sean Lee back? That's that's the big question. There's some been some crazy yeah. stats out there about their defensive efficiency with without, and without, without Sean, Sean Lee. Lee. He's basically the linchpin for them. All right, please be Washington. Please be Tails. Come on, coin. Hey, I'm going to go with Washington. <laughs> All right, Mark. I agree with you, actually. Uh, Matthew, Dallas had Tyron Smith back last week, and they still were terrible. I know, but so, it was questionable for the game. I don't think he was healthy. So um, Washington won on Thursday. That's kind of crazy. Both of these teams played on Thanksgiving, and they're coming back and playing on Thursday night a week later. That's they're, kind of interesting. They're setting in, hunkering down for a normal Thursday night schedule. So I've got Washington as well. Um, one and a half points is nothing. And I think they're a better team right now. So that leads us to the Sunday night game, which is the Phil- the NFL-leading Philadelphia Eagles, favored by five points as they go to Seattle to play wow. in front of that fan, in front of those fans out there. That's a big spread for going to Seattle. Um, Mark, make your pick first, please. I am going to go with the Eagles. Um, I think that they're just on fire. Seattle just hasn't been the same after losing um, in these past couple weeks, after losing um, um, some of their key players like Richard Sherman. And I think that Richard Sherman, wow, he's one of the best cornerbacks. He's more of like a vocal leader on that team and really um, sets them moving forward. And I, they just haven't been playing well, and the Eagles have been playing great. I think that um, the Eagles will win by more t- more than a touchdown. Matthew? I think the NFL is more random than people give credit for. The fact that the Eagles are 10-1 at this point, I think it's probably they're overachieving. I'm going to go Seattle uh, plus the points here. I think I think on the road, uh, this is a classic. Like People are ready to anoint the Eagles as – the, the dominant team in the NFL and they're giving up on the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take the Seahawks plus the points. Yeah. I agree with you though, about the random thing. It's totally random. Like that. Where Oh, and 11, like we totally <laughs> should be. That's just a random freak accident. Like it's just always so random that we're bad. It's crazy. <laughs> um, I actually have a hard time with this game. The I Seattle's so good at home. But without those key players, I just don't know how much to factor that in. And Carson Wentz has been picking teams apart. Um, But Seattle needs this win a lot more than Philadelphia does. So given that fact and that they're at home, I think I'm going to go with the Seahawks in this game. Um, It's just kind of my gut. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if Carson Wentz put up 40 points and beats them by 20 it MVP, wouldn't shock me at all. MVP. MVP. Um, which leads us to the Browns game. And I think this uh, is the highest line of the season so far. We are going into the tiny StubHub Center. And the uh, LA Chargers <laughs> are favored by 13 and a half points. Um, which is crazy. I think a lot of people probably watched the Chargers and the Cowboys game over Thanksgiving. So um, I'm probably not telling people anything they didn't see themselves. But the Chargers are just 
hitting their stride. They they started the season. Second sneeze on the pod. (laughs) Second sneeze on the pod. (laughs) Second one. First one by Matthew. I'm waiting for mine. Uh, the Chargers are basically hitting their shot. I mean, they started 0-4, and, and everybody had them grouped in the same um, set of teams as us and the Giants. But in reality, they were losing these close games down the stretch because they were choking. And now they're only with combined with the Chiefs choking. They're only one game out of the division lead. They could win their division this season. And so a lot of that is attributed to the offense coming around. Keenan Allen's been out of his mind. He's had almost uh, like – I think he's had about 400 yards receiving in the last two games. So he's going to be somebody we're going to have to really bottle up. And then their pass rush is just phenomenal. With Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, they're just going to they're going to have pressure on Deshaun Kaiser all day, given Sean Coleman and Spencer Drango's recent history. I don't see them being able to neutralize that much. Kaiser's going to have to get the ball out very quickly. Just throw screens to Josh Gordon all day. Just oh, put Corey Coleman and Josh Gordon on opposite sides of the field and just rotate. Or slants. Uh, I mean, could be left, could be right, could be left. That's be where right. all Josh quick. Gordon's com- like yards came from. Were just like quick slants that he just caught two yards down the field and then ran for another fifty. And then do so. Do. It's going to be interesting. I hope Hugh is able to put a good game plan together that all neutralize that pass rush. Oh, I can't um, wait to see and- those legs. Just striding down the field. Mm. (laughs) Josh Gordon. Like a giraffe. Like a gazelle. Just, mm. (laughs) I dream about it. Uh, So that leads us to this crazy line. Um, I keep thinking these Browns lines are too big, and then certainly we're going to, you know, come underneath that. And then the refs make stupid calls like that your Bill Peppers play, and it's not possible for the Browns to cover. So I don't know what to say here, but um, I still feel like 13 and a half is way too many points against the Chargers. After all, the Chargers are the team that we beat most recently last season. That's who we won <laughs> against last year on Christmas Eve. So I'm going to go ahead and go in the Browns' favor, thinking that we're at least going to cover this oh, 13 no. and a half. Oh, no, we're going to win. We're the Chargers kryptonite. Oh. Well, Mark dropped his coin. Can we talk about the fact that maybe the refs had to fix in for the game to to try to cover the spread? I don't want to go there. All right. Well, actually, we're not going to win. We're going to lose by 14 to the Chargers. (laughs) It's just a fact. The coin. Just a certifiable fact. Oh, my gosh. I hope, though. I hope we throw all over them. I hope our defense can pull it together and we can stop them for a little while, but... I will say, I will say regarding the Chargers, their offense, like Keenan Allen is probably my biggest concern, but secondary to that is this third down back that they have. I forget this guy's name. Is it Brandon Oliver? No, 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 no. It's a white dude, and he wears number 30, and it's like he's not quite at the Danny Woodhead level as far as, like, shiftiness, but he's doing a lot of good things for them, and that's exactly what's been killing the Browns all year. And I just see this guy um, killing us on Sunday. Anyways. That's fair. Yep. Keep it in mind. Oh, Austin I, Eckler. Oh. That's the one. He's good. Yeah, he's going to kill you. Which leads us to Matthew. Oh, 13 and a half points. 13 Chargers and a half favorite. points. Don't, so, don't pick the Browns. So when you it told never me, is right. When you told me that it was 13 and a half, it sparked something in my head. I, I looked up the largest point spread in NFL history. 
and we're, yeah. we're not even close. So we're, we're not even to that point yet. It was 27 points. It was a game a few years back between the, the Broncos when they were at the, their Super Bowl peak. Um, probably that year that they went to the Super Bowl and lost, I would, I would guess. They Against who? The Jacksonville Jaguars. When they nice. were there, they're, they're very, very the bottom. Depths, the Browns' so, depths that the Jaguars were at so, a couple so years ago. So 27 points. So this is only 13 and a half. So we're only like half of the worst. Um, 13 and a half points is a ton. Did you all both pick the, the Chargers? He picked the Chargers. I picked the Browns. Mm-hmm. Mm. You just said you weren't going to make your decisions based on what right. we picked. <laughs> All right, so so I've picked I've I've picked the Browns I've picked the Browns the past couple of weeks, thinking that the point spreads were too big, and I always keep getting screwed right at the last minute. Don't pick the Browns; it's always the wrong decision. My coin never picks the Browns. No, it's process over results. I got to pick the Browns. This point spread's like huge. I've got to take the thirteen and a half points. Dang okay. it, we're gonna lose again. <laughs> All right, <laughs> All right Sam, I'm gonna gain my lead here. <laughs> this coin is right. weird, weirdly good at this. All right, well, we'll see what happens next week. Um, go Browns. Hopefully, we can cover that. Um, we're going to wrap it up on the pod. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Be sure to um, leave a comment on our iTunes page, uh, Sin of Our Fathers. And send us an email. Tell us what you think about the pod, sinofourfathers at gmail.com. And as always, thank you so much to our Tokyo listeners. We appreciate you so much. Go Browns, baby. Josh Gordon's coming back. Josh Gordon! (laughs)